Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, open our eyes this morning, uh, open our ears, um, open our hands to uh, who you are and what you have for us, all your gifts. And uh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So recently, one of our Oak Folk, we'll let them remain nameless, I don't see them here, uh, or do I? Um, came to me, perhaps a little bit ashamed, and said, you know, I've been around Oak for a while. I have to admit, I need an explanation for something that eludes me. What is going on with this? And they sent me this screen cap. What is going on with this? It, what ensued over text message was a brief initiation into the beautiful world of liturgical time. Without getting too deeply into this conversation that time is indeed a flat circle, I'll have you notice in this very Minecrafty quilt that it resides in the Godly Place Sanctuary 24-7. You can go see it. It's beautiful. Um, that the Lenten season that we're in, the you are here spot, has a, an order, a direction to it. The ordinary time, that big amorphous green growing season, is full of settling into the rhythms and life of Christ in the quotidian patchwork of our lives. I almost imagine it's kind of like the early summer when plants start to grow and some weeks it's just raining nonstop and we, we're praying for no more rain and some weeks we can't get rain and parts of our yard will grow and grow and grow and we can never get the other parts to grow. So it's patchy. <laughs> The growth is intermittent, it's sporadic, it's surprising. But Lent's a little different. Lent, the season that we are just coming into, Lent is focused. Lent starts somewhere and it is going somewhere. And that somewhere is the cross of Jesus. It's going to the cross annually, it's going daily, it's going moment by moment. And not just a direction, it's got a color, it's purple, it's, it's the color of royalty and repentance. So in the season we hold those things together. And whatever fasting we do is, is uh, a way to get our bodies involved. It's a bodily sign and symbol and foretaste of the need and frailty and hunger that we have for God. So we worship with our bodies and we mark time with our senses. Seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching. This Lenten season, starting today, uh, starting Wednesday, but the Sunday starting today, we're focusing each week on these embodied ways that we encounter and grow in our awareness and our experience of Christ's presence. Each week we'll explore a specific sense. Today, sight and seeing. And we have a few goals in this. Let's just like set the terms here at the outset. First, to recognize and to reflect and to reconnect with our bodies and their senses as gifts. Far too often we go straight to the idea, and I, I don't know where some of us get this totally, that to grow spiritually means to leave or to vacate or just to deny our bodies as if we could only go beyond this body, its aches, its weaknesses, its desires, we might find God again. In some sense, 
our only being slaves to what our bodies want is, is indeed relativized in this season. We, we do fast, we give up things, we recognize frailty. Heck, we started Lent by remembering that we're from and going to dust. But the goal of Lent is not forgetting that we have bodies or leaving them behind. It's instead ushering in all of us to worship all of God. In this way, rather than a deficit or a distraction, our bodies are a gift, a grace, even in their brokenness, even in our limits. Our bodies are a means to access and to encounter the Jesus who comes to us as God in a body, in a real place, healing and dignifying real bodies. So that's the first goal. Second goal is that some of these senses and practices make more sense to us than others, so we might need some more practices. So we're going to have some... some um, opportunities, maybe even some creative ways to pray or to, to reconnect or re-encounter with our bodies. Uh, like for some of us, it's at least initially more easy to imagine praying with our ears, we, we hear a lot in Christian worship, than with our hands or our taste buds. So we're, we're, we're going to try some things. What's the worst that could happen? But why wouldn't we also want to creatively seek in community to open up all of our faculties to God? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and, if I may, our senses. So that's what we're going to do, and, and we'll have some sign-ups for some special things in a couple weeks we'll, uh, when we talk about uh, touch and, and um, physicality. We'll... We'll have a uh, Kintsugi workshop hosted by Brian and Elizabeth uh, Christensen Diver in, in a way of mending with golden uh, joining of broken things. And, and the act of doing that and the, the idea of doing that will help us in our devotion. Lastly, last note on this, and I'll, I'll clear all of the, the, the pathway uh, to, to get back to Mark, is... Just a note that not all of ourselves or our neighbors may have all of these senses very well intact. Our vision might be deteriorating because of age or illness. We might need some help with things like glasses or surgeries or contacts. Uh, hypothetically, a curveball you thought was a fastball in high school and left you with a deviated septum might make you well-suited to parent small babies and high-smell times of their lives, but might not make you the best olfactory prayer, hypothetically. Some of us might not be able to listen well. And if that's you, that should not be a disqualifier for that week. Much of what we're hoping to achieve by growing in our awareness is to grow in an ability to hear from the God who made us, knows us, speaks to us, and is working our healing. And I hope nobody feels excluded or alienated during this. Instead, I hope in recognizing our, our own physical and sensory limits, we lean harder into the way that God provides for us in community. If we can't hear completely, there's someone else that is hearing for us and with us. 
loving sisters and brothers around us who can sometimes see what we can't see into our blind spots, even those of us with 20-20 vision, and hear what we can't or refuse to hear that have the right amount of sensitivity or maybe even the right amount of hard-won calluses in their touch, or might fill out a palette of vivid and rich memories from smell that we just dismiss or walk by. That we might have friends together in this slow good work of God that taste and see that the Lord is good across from us at Christ's tables. Uh, this week in, in thinking about that and specifically in thinking about these varying abilities, uh, I remember our, our very own diaspora oak folk, Dr. Monica Bod, who is now in a residency at Stanford. And she studied, uh, she wrote this beautiful paper on um, faces, often disfigured faces from trauma or medical procedure and how they're seen and received and related with encounters with God. And she works at the intersection of the medical, the theological, and disability studies. And, and I think what, a lot of what she's doing in her work uh, um, is what uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins writes in um, that beautiful Kingfisher poem. He says, Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not his to the Father through the features of men's faces. And so she says, facing God with our faces so this is all sensory stuff. Facing God transforms self and community. She says, I believe that the stakes are high because Jesus' face is found fragmentarily amongst the faces around us now. The sacred can be redeemed through acts of the ordinary. So this is, this is really important stuff, high stakes here. So now we turn back to Mark's gospel, which Noah read like one and a half times. It was so good. We needed to read it more than just once. And we find Jesus with this man who is struggling to see. There's a lot of sensory activity happening here. This isn't just some mental exercise or some verbal sinner's prayer that is happening in this encounter with Jesus. He's, he's brought, there are all these verbs. He's brought to Jesus by others who beg Jesus to touch and to heal him. And Jesus takes the man by the hand and guides him out of the Bethsaida village. And he spits in his eyes and he puts his hands on him and asks, do you see anything? What a question. Do you see anything? What do you think Jesus is expecting him to say, do you see anything? Why did Jesus use these senses to heal the man's sense of sight? All of these different senses to heal this man's sight. Jesus asked, do you see anything? And it's obvious that the man has been looking, been looking for something and not seeing well. But credit, the man and his friends Look to Jesus even in his obscured sight. And slowly, inc incrementally, he, he gained vision as he encountered Jesus as he was being healed. This encounter was visceral. If one of our kids tried to do this with a blind, stuffed animal, they'd probably be sent to their room. We don't spit in our house, okay? 
But Jesus encounters this man in multi-sensory ways for healing his senses. And Jesus still encounters us in multi-sensory ways for healing our senses. Jesus invites us to remember and receive these senses and these bodies as gifts, even limited, broken, and obscured as they may be. Our bodies are ways for us to interact not only with the gifts of God, but with God, the triune God who is active around us still. Jesus, the very word of God made flesh, doesn't just heal in words, but also in flesh. Eyes and ears and hands and noses and mouth and taste buds and nerve endings and olfactory glands and eardrums and retinas and neurological connections and stomachs and lungs and hearts. Sometimes we have the same problem. We look, we look all around, but we don't see very well. We become adept at taking in all sorts of sensory information but rarely allow for it to result in some sort of transformation. So Jesus is inviting us to both look, but more so to, to see and to know the difference. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that art helps us to do this, like kind of by design. Uh, a teacher and friend of mine, David Taylor, he's like the theology arts guy, right? He wrote about the connections of art and worship and training, um, or I might even say healing our sight, our vision. And he quotes uh, Stanley Hauerwas, who says, we do not see reality just by opening our eyes. We need more. We need practice. He said, our sight is broken and therefore requires training to see God's world rightly. As an act of the imagination, the visual arts can enable us to see the world. For example, not as opaque to God's presence, but charged with it. C.S. Lewis says something similar. He says, my own eyes aren't enough for me. I will see through those of others. In community, but also the artists and creatives around us. All of us need this help. So these arts help us fix our sight on concrete objects, canvases, sculptures, installations, architecture, and invite us to look at the world as if it is or maybe as if it shouldn't be, and at times they urge us to see it as it might be. So I admit that I often find myself at the North Carolina Museum of Art. Raise your hand if you've been to the NCMA. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's better than I normally get response. I feel like I go there when I am having a hard time seeing. Maybe it's because of like fatigue or feeling like I have too many things to look at and not enough time to see. In this gallery, really any gallery, the Nasher does similar, invites me to slow down, to, to narrow my field of vision, to pay attention, to open myself up Sometimes at first this is like kind of uncomfortable, opening yourself up to, to the grace of more nuance and color and meaning and history and culture and beauty. Sometimes you don't even feel like you know what you're looking at and you kind of have to cheat and read the little plate, right? And, and we need to, to grow through some measure of dedication, even just for an afternoon and at the discipline of looking and then eventually seeing. 
when I there when I'm there I, I feel a little like the man in Jesus's Bethsaida encounter he's at the spiritual eye doctor and that and Jesus says do you see anything <laughs> it, like this is Jesus like tweaking things and it's like try turning the key and firing it up right Jesus seems to be saying and the man replies I see people <laughs> but they look like trees only they are walking around. <laughs> this is like a great moment in Mark's gospel. I see people, only they look like trees, and they are walking around. At the NCMA, depending on what exhibit you're at, that actually might be the exact right answer or the exact wrong answer to what you're seeing, right? But Jesus places his hands on the man's eyes again, and I doubt the point of this double healing in Mark's gospel story is like that the first healing didn't quite take. Like, I don't think that's the point for Mark. Mark didn't have a lot of room to, to mess around. I'd rather take that, that Jesus is always seeking intimacy with us. Jesus will always circle back to us even in our various like, abilities to perceive or receive what Jesus is actually doing to us and in us and through us. So it, 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 might, it might be something with me, not with Jesus, that Jesus is having to circle back. Maybe it also signals to us that healing is often a process. Dare I say, healing might even be a collaboration with Jesus. Sure, Jesus is doing the work, but we, are, we have to participate in our healing. We might not see it all clearly immediately. In fact, we might even have to like relearn how to see. And we'll need the Spirit's help to do it. And there, So there are so many intersections between this sort of practice of creativity and attention in a setting like an art museum and the sort of spiritual vision that Jesus is trying to build and to heal in us. I think the arts can be instruments for this kind of healing and prayer. I think of Julia Cameron's comment in The Artist's Way, which is like a program for creatives to cultivate practices of attention and intentionality, and she writes, the reward for our attention is always healing. When we pay attention, it always results in healing. It may begin as the healing of a particular pain, like a lost lover, a sickly child, the shattered dream, but what is healed finally is the pain that underlies all the pain. The pain that we all are, as Rilke phrases it, unutterably alone. More than anything else, attention is an act of connection. And I want to say this morning that it's a connection to God in Christ by the Spirit. Christian spirituality has a great track record, actually, uh, and many resources for this sort of prayer. You can explore things like Visio Divina, where you pray through a sacred image, often with a scripture story, and you imagine yourselves by means of our eyes in an encounter with Jesus, so that then we can begin to have eyes for our regular contemporary encounters with Jesus. We, we pray through a, a picture of some far-off place and some far-off scene so that we can realize those encounters here and now. Or some folks pray with icons, and the most brilliant part of this practice is growing in a sort of like visual, visual literacy or capacity or like soft focus. You're meant to read and to see through an icon. You don't just 
look at the icon, you look through the icon, so that an icon is more of a, a window than a painting. And it allows us to grow in our ability not just to look at the surface of things, but to see through them into the deep things of God. I think this is something like when Jesus says, I came to you unclothed, in prison, sick, in despair, and when you encountered that person, you encountered me. We, we need help to be able to see and recognize these things in real time. I also, like, I'll say it, I commend going to the NCMA or the, the Nasher. It's free. It's not that far. The grounds are gorgeous, and you can make a day out of it. You can make an afternoon or an hour out of it. Bring a notebook or journal to sketch. Bring your kids. Um, it's amazing. I especially love some of the current work on display about, like, uh, from African diaspora artists because they use non-traditional materials and it's very scrap exchange-esque, right? Not only that, but these folks have eyes to see and imagine and communicate. Like uh, the other day I went and I saw this, this piece called uh, Lines That Link Humanity. This artist is uh, Ghanaian-born and working in Nigeria and looking around and seeing liquor caps and newspaper tins, which are appear apparently in abundance all around them, but are, are imported and exported uh, uh, from where he grew up. And he stitches them together, and he can see how they should be stitched together to tell a story about a history of shipping products, but also shipping bodies um, and bodies as products across the Atlantic Ocean. Each time this piece moves to a new gallery, it slightly shifts kind of like the slight shifts in the ocean tides. Let those with eyes see. Or there's this piece um, from a, uh, an Ethiopian artist. It's like this enormous, it's huge, a whole wall panorama. It looks like a drone shot of a map, um, like field plots growing good things, but it's actually an assemblage of the digital waste of computer boards and phone parts, mostly sent from Western countries. There's a detail of that, I think. Yeah, closer up, you can see all of those boards. So let those with eyes see. Or I love this gilded piece from a local artist named Stacy uh, Stacy Lynn Waddell. She's she's from Chapel Hill and making art now. This is like right now. And these. Images don't really do justice. This is just from my phone. You really have to be there and behold it because she works with 24 karat gold leaf and everything is gold on gold on gold and so you have to move to actually see what's going on. And you, you can only see this precious portrait of a mother and a baby with that I think feels like borderline Mary-like. Um, you can only see it from an angle. So she is like telling it slant. This hidden story of immense value and regality of a black mother named Beulah and her baby. Let those with eyes see. So I hope in this season, uh, I hope you'll go out there, like maybe make that part of your Lenten practice. And I hope during the season that we grow in having eyes to see. This ability to pray and to see and to experience God and God's creation with our eyes as a gift, whatever level of that we're at. Being able to see color and shades and the way that light changes the way colors and shades look, even when the colors and shades don't change, that's a gift. 
learning to see connections and to, to grow in our capacities to, to zoom in and see detail and particularities and also zoom out to this big topography of what God is doing in this world and in our lives is a gift. So is seeing possibility. Growing like these artists and, and looking at raw materials and things that seem broken or wasted or harmful and, and see possibility for, for beauty, for renewal, for goodness, that's a gift. And let's grow not only in our looking, but in our ability to see, to, to linger, to stay there, to work through some of the discomfort of seeing this, something that looks like people, but maybe trees, and they're definitely moving, to being able to focus and, and dial in on what God is communicating to us. This is the same sort of, of ability, of skill, of spiritual practice that helps us to look and to see Jesus. Even when all we see is Jesus on the cross, suffering completely, bearing sin, brokenness, outside of the city walls alone, exposing the powers and principalities to the light of day, but somehow we can learn to see salvation forgiveness, healing, new creation. My prayer is that we would have eyes to see. Will you all pray with me? Lord, open us up to your vision. Expand our capacities and our hearts and match them to your boundless capacity and capacious heart for this world. Uh, root us in a place like Jesus was rooted in a place and open us up to encounters with people who are hurting. Open us up in our own hurt to encounters with you, Jesus. And Lord, help us look to you and help us see. Help us look together and help us see together. Grow our ability to imagine your work and your life in us, in this place. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.